Hello and welcome to another episode of Nimsy Live. My name is Tucker Johnson and you are experiencing the latest live stream and localization where we talk about the latest and greatest in translation, localization, internationalization, culturalization, and all that fun stuff that global companies need to delight their international customers, or at least not to piss them off too much. On this program, we invite guests who like to have fun and also have some value to add for our audience of globalization professionals. I'm always eager to provide to provide a platform for those with a good story or a good data set. So let us know if there are any topics you'd like covered or guests we should reach out to for future episodes. A uh, quick reminder, subscribe. If you aren't already subscribed to NIMSI Insights, now's your chance. If you're watching this and you hit that subscribe or follow button, then you will be the first to notify when we have new live streams or when NIMSI Insights publishes new research. And please, if, you, if you're joining us on LinkedIn, as most people do, then go over and follow NIMSI Insights, follow Bolingo Consults, um, who's our guest today, because company pages like us, it's really hard for followers. LinkedIn does not make our lives easy. Uh, really quickly, if you if you like this program and you want more multimedia localization content, then I encourage you to check out our sister programs over at Multilingual Television. You can search for Multilingual Media on YouTube. We have Last Week in Localization with Sarah Hickey, The Venn Diagram with Michael Reed, Te Epe with Juanma Lopez, High Performance Leaders with Andrew Smart, Open World Videocast, which is one of my favorites. They talk about video game localization. That's Sponsored by the guys and gals over at Terra Localization. We have Malablados with Javi. Um, lots of webinars. We have the season series of panel discussions and webinars. And, of course, the C-Suite Hot Seat. And that's sponsored by Nimsy Insights, where we interview CEOs of LSPs from around the world. So if any of these programs sound interesting, go on over to Multilingual TV or MLTV uh, by searching for Multilingual Media on YouTube and subscribe to that channel, too, of course, after subscribing to Nimsy Insights, our YouTube channel. Oh, let's look at upcoming events before we get started here. Oh, uh, if you haven't checked it out already, we have a beautiful events calendar over on at nimsy.com forward slash events. And if you go through here, it's it's beautiful. You can filter by location, you can filter by title, and you can see what's coming up in, in the near term in the near term future for you. And it looks like, of course, we have another Digimarcon coming up on September 15th. Languages in the media on September 20th. Check that out. And on September 28th, Content Marketing World 2021. And another Digimarcon in September 29th and the ALC. Um, annual summit, of course, on September 29th. Wow, lots happening on September 29th. Uh, Women in Localization hosting events, and on the 30th of September, KT, KTC 2021 online is coming at you. And let me get back here. Alrighty, so that's, that's the upcoming events, please. Nimsy.com forward slash events if you want to go over and check that out for yourself. Now, Let's talk a little bit about this platform. We're doing this as a live stream via LinkedIn events because all of our friends are already on LinkedIn. So it makes it easy to share, easy to invite new people, and it also makes it easy for us all to show appreciation during the stream in two ways, and that's through comments and the reaction buttons. The comments will be brought up on stream for those of you that are in the comments section, and we'll be making sure to read any comments or questions that we have. OPME. Nice to see you, 
sir. Um, so yeah, leave your questions and comments down there, and we'll make sure to get to them. This is live on LinkedIn. Um, we're also live streaming, though, on MZ's YouTube channel, our Facebook channel, our Instagram channel. I bring this up because, let's face it, LinkedIn is not mature in the live streaming arena yet, and we've had some issues. We might get cut off. So if we get cut off on LinkedIn, don't worry. We might still be going. Head on over to NMZ's YouTube channel if you get cacked out, and we'll see you over there. So all that having been gotten out of the way, let's get into it today. Today we are talking about the languages and the cultures of the African continent. Africa is a continent rich with diverse cultures and over 2,000 languages spoken by various ethnic groups. Exploring these dynamics is exciting, but also presents unique challenges for organizations seeking to localize their products, content, and services for African countries. An Accra-based LSP called Bolingo Consult has been working on a localization Africa project with the goal of generating African country guides that can be used as a point of entry to the continent. So far, the guides have been developed for Ghana, Benin, Burkina Faso, and Cameroon. Today, we're going to explore the vision behind this country-by-country research from Bolingo Consult and throw light on the key features of the guides. Joining us today is our guest, Adi Namaran Kulibali, and I'm trying my best to pronounce that. Hi, Adi. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, let me, let me give you a quick intro here, and then you can tell me everything that I got wrong with your intro. Um, Ms. Kalibali is a language professional and holds a Master of Arts in Conference Interpreting from the Advanced School of Translators and Interpreters, or ASTI, ASTI, in Bo, Cameroon. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. Bo? 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 Boa? Boya. Boya. There we go. Uh, having provided interpretation and translation services for top businesses and organizations across Africa, including working in the African Union, Miss uh, Kolebali Kolib- uh, founded Bolingo Communications and Media Consult, a fast-growing LSP based in Ghana and the power behind the African localization guides. She is down-to-earth and committed to continuous learning and personal development. Lately, her favorite hobby has been hosting the Africa's LSP podcast, which I personally subscribe to on Spotify, though I'm sure it's available wherever your podcasts are found. Adi, welcome to the show. Aquaba. Aquaba. Thank you so much. My one word, I know. (laughs) Thank you so much, Taka. And um, I think all this while I've been admiring your attire. It's so beautiful. It's so African. And it also has Ghana, some Ghanaian colors, I can see. Oh, it better. This is from Accra. This is from Accra. This is a shirt my wife bought for me. My wife is Ghanaian. I think you know this. And last time she went to Africa, she was smart enough not to take me with her. But she did bring me back this beautiful shirt. And I have been looking for an excuse to wear the shirt for a very, very long time. Because according to my wife, it's only for special occasions. So I I, I put this on for you, Adi. Thank you so much. Uh, And um, thank you for the introduction as well. Um, as you said, yes, I, I work with Bolingo Consults and what we do is, what we, we describe what we do as um, helping businesses and organizations to overcome language and culture barriers in Africa. And as a young company, I get to do a lot of things. Of course, I get to learn in the process and it's very exciting. So I get to manage our pool of language professionals. I get to uh, do some research. I get to do a lot of planning. And so these are things that I do at Bolingo. 
And Taka, you also know that I host Africa's LSP podcast. It's a podcast that we launched in January this year, and it's been very, very amazing. We've had great feedback. We've had uh, great personalities joining us on the platform. And uh, we also started Localization Africa Project, and we developed um, national level country guides that are aimed at uh, providing information on how to adapt your product, content, and services to a particular context. And all this has been very, very interesting. On a personal level, uh, let me say I just, that I have... Really really quick, let me plug your Africa's LSP podcast. I'm going to be talking about this podcast a lot during this because I'm, I subscribe personally. And I recently had a 12-hour car ride back from Montana two days ago. And your podcast saved me. It kept me from falling asleep because I was able to listen, listen to all of it, re-listen to a lot of them. Um, but very, very interesting insights here. Let me, I'm sorry, I just got to plug your podcast. Very interesting insights here because it's very interesting for me personally to hear um, Africans talk about Africa. Um, frankly, I'm tired of hearing what, you know, Americans, Europeans talk about Africa, what's the strategy and everything. And that Adi, is what I really appreciate about your podcast. It's all about Africans helping Africans, and it provides me a window into what that looks like because it looks very different than what I'm used to. Yeah, thank you so much, Taka. And it's it's been great. The encouragement too has been very positive, and we believe that it's going to go far in helping the continent to grow the language services industry. Um, so I was about to talk about my something personal about me. So I have dual nationality. I'm Ivorian and Ghanaian. And um, I've had a bit of experience around the continent of Africa, and I am proud to have been able to visit at least one country in all the sub-regions of the continent. Um, for instance, in North Africa, I've been to Egypt. In West Africa, obviously, I've lived in Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire. I've been to Nigeria, Togo and Benin. In Cameroon, in Central Africa, rather, I've lived in Cameroon. In Southern Africa, I've lived in South Africa. In East Africa, I've lived in Ethiopia, and then I've visited Uganda and Kenya. And so I've had very beautiful experiences from all these countries. I've um, had an opportunity to experience the culture, to feel the people and how they behave and all that. So I believe that all these experiences have helped me or have shaped the way I think about Africa's language and cultural dynamics. And I'm really glad to be on this platform, Taka. Thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for, for coming on here. You know, uh, we've got some questions because people submitted questions beforehand and everything. So I'm going to try my best not to uh, let this go too far off the rails. Um, but, man, I could just talk to you all day because talking about these, you say you've visited every every subregion in Africa and you visit a lot of different countries. And let me, before we get into the, the plan questions here, how homogenous is Africa? How similar are these different regions? How similar are these different markets? Or are they completely different? Because I hear a lot of people talking about Africa. Notice I've, I've mentioned the African continent because I want to be very clear about the distinction that Africa is not a country. It is not a people. Frank, honestly, Ghana is not a country. Ghana is a country, but Ghana is not a people, right? There are many people. So how homogenous is Africa or not, or heterogen, heterogeneous? Um, and what does that mean for folks that are doing business there? Yeah, so as you said, Taka, um, Africa is a continent. It's not a country. And sometimes we make the mistake of just, you know, putting all of us in one basket and say, let's do this for the African 
people, the African markets, but we have a lot of differences. Of course, I think we have similarities um, in the warmth of hospitality that you'd get in a lot of African countries. We have a lot of similarities in the way people uh, would appreciate issues and be able to welcome other people's opinions. I think we have a lot of similarities, but um, deep down, we, are, we have a lot of differences as well. And so it's important for us to you know, look at Africa as a, a continent with a lot of diversity. And this diversity is what will help us to be able to better ensure that we um, appropriately target our audience. Excellent. Yeah, that's uh, how, how deep do we go, though? And that's what that's the question that did, appropriately targeting our audience. I think that's kind of one of the things that I want to get to the bottom of, if not today, then through ongoing conversations, because Africa is growing in we're seeing increased demand. You know what? I'm not I'm I'm going to shut up and I'm going to get to the questions. Otherwise, we're going to be here all day because our first question we have here is submitted by Mario Line. And you know Mario Line over at Multilingual, you worked very closely with her on creating the African Country Guides. And, oh, if you're watching and um, the African Country Guides, to download those, they are in the comments, in the LinkedIn event. You can find a link. Go to Bolingo Consults um, and download those. Go to, go to their, their – you have to fill out a, a, a form, but it's super easy. I downloaded all four of them. It took me about 20 seconds to do it. It's super painless. Go download them, and you'll be glad that you did. So let's get into it right now. I want to talk to Mario Line. Uh-oh. Let's get, let's get you out of the way here. I need to... Oh, my goodness. This is why you test things in the beginning. Let's talk to Mario Line here, and I just need to, I just need to get you out of the way here. Give me one sec. There we go. There's Mario Line. Sorry. It wouldn't be a live stream if we didn't have technical difficulties, guys. And... Studio Moon. We have Mario Line here? No. Jeez. Oh, Sorry, Adi. Bam. Yeah. Mario Line. Go for it. Hello, Tucker and Adi. I can't be with you today, but I still wanted to join you virtually, so I've recorded my questions here. For those of you that do not know me, my name is Marianne Groot-Nibblink. I'm the CEO of Multilingual Media, which has been publishing Multilingual Magazine for more than two decades. This magazine is crafted specifically for people who are fascinated with the intersection of language, culture, technology, and business. It's been a pleasure collaborating with you on the special section in the July-August issue of Multilingual Magazine. Since its publication, we've gotten a lot of great feedback on the African country guides. From what we've seen, there is a big appetite for better understanding the African market. Even within the language industry itself, we're seeing more interest. Localization World also has chosen Africa for an upcoming event. However, I wanted to ask you, the expert, have you also noticed an increased demand for African localization and research? And if so, what do you think is driving this demand. Mm. Addy, that one's yeah. for you. <laughs> That's why we've Great. got you here on the show. Yeah. So um, thank you to Marjolin for the question. 
I would say that yes, there is actually an increasing demand in localization for Africa and research as well. And at Bolingo, we've had a number of requests for localization into African languages and translation as well. And we believe that uh, this demand will keep growing. Personally, uh, there might be, of course, a lot of reasons for which the, there is such a demand, but I believe that it is being spurred by two main factors. The first factor, factor could be the fact that Africa is an emerging market. We know that um, on the African continent, we have 10 of the 15 fastest growing economies in the world. And so for such a market, definitely we need to, um, there will be people or there will be organizations rather and businesses that will be interested in understanding what is pertaining in the African market, what they can do to gain ground on the market. And so this could be a key driving force or factor for the increase in demand in localization. The second reason for which I believe that um, there might be increasing demand or there is actually increasing demand is the diversity. I mean, we spoke about that earlier on, uh, Taka, the diversity in, in languages and the culture, over 2000 languages. And sometimes right. you, you get lost in it. You're like, wow, like where do I start from, you know, as a business organization? Let me give an example from the guides that we did, for instance. You know, we did guides for Ghana, Benin, Cameroon, and Burkina Faso. And so for the Benin guide, for instance, uh, we got to learn that there are about 60 languages in Benin, and they have a lot of local, lang uh, lo local languages. And uh, for instance, the key local languages that are thriving in Benin, we have Fongwe and Yoruba. And so, if you are, for instance, a business coming to Benin and you want to target other businesses, you can use French because that's the official language. But if you're targeting consumers and if those consumers are within a um, certain group of people, for instance, let's say they're in a category where they have low literacy levels, then obviously you'd have to think about the key dominant lo local languages, which um, are Fongbe and Yoruba. Let me take another example from Ghana. I mean, you've been to Ghana before yourself, Taka, and um, you know how the, I mean, about the diversity, you know about the diversity of the country. And so local languages really play a key role in that, in, in localizing your products and services. So um, basically, as I said, the fact that Africa is an emerging market, the diversity of our languages and our cultures mean that we're going to have significant demand and this is going to increase um and so i would say that we just need to be ready for that and we are trying our best thank you this uh, uh yes i have been to ghana i i've been to africa once which is to say i've been to one country in ghana and yeah it's diverse it's diverse and if their fellow american white boys like me out there thinking all of Af I want to enter the African market. Um, my advice to you is it ain't that simple. It, it, there's, there's more than one African market as we, as we just talked about, there's over 2000 languages. Each of those languages have a, a cultural identity associated with it. Um, some of them are mutually intelligible. Some of them are not like I know Addy, Addy, you're here to keep me honest, but, um, for example, uh, Fante and Chui in, in Ghana. It's like you can understand. They're two different languages, but uh, a Chui speaker can understand a Fante speaker and vice versa. Kind of like Czech and Slovak, I would imagine. Is that correct? 
Yes, exactly. But when we're talking about, you know, localizing into those languages, as you mentioned, with business cases, it makes sense to serve the the colonial language, I would say. What are the colonial languages over there? I know of English, I know of French, and I, I know of Portuguese. Are there other colonial languages or are those the main ones? Yeah, these are the main, these are the main uh, colonial languages. Okay. Let's... Um, Let's go into, just because I want to get through it here, let's go into our next question here. We have Nicoli, my colleague Nicoli, who is a fellow country, a continent person of yours. Nicoli is based in South Africa. Let's see what she has for us. My name is Nicoli Potriter, and I'm a business development manager in South Africa. I was just, um, as we're talking about the African culture, I can't help but wonder how culture affects our industry and influences how African language service providers operate differently from, say, other Western language service providers. For many companies that I've actually spoken to on the, the continent, it seems that there's, there's not the same concept of, say, co-opetition that I've noticed in the rest of the industry. Mm. So outside of Africa, say, particularly in Europe and the Americas, I've noticed that there's a lot of collaboration between language service providers, um, even ones that are technically like direct competition with each other. If you go to any industry conference in the US or in Europe, for example, you will see language service providers sharing their like processes, their technology tips with each other, and they do so openly. I've not noticed the same level of collaboration between African language service providers. So I guess my question would be, what can you say about the level of um, collaboration between African language service providers and how can they better collaborate in a way to rely on each other as like Africans helping Africans. Hmm. <laughs> That's very interesting. Where do I start from? Um, and so she spoke about culture and whether the African culture could be um, an influence on African LSPs not collaborating with each other. I beg to differ because I believe that African culture is a collectivist culture. And so we believe a lot in sharing. Uh, mm. You'll be surprised that some traditional African societies, I can wake up and then go to my neighbor's house, knock on their door and ask for salt to, for instance, cook my soup. Yeah. And so we've had, that, we've had that culture of sharing. We have it. Uh, I don't think it's lost. What I think is the issue with African LSPs and the um, industry landscape in Africa is the issue of growth. Because when there is growth, naturally, we begin to share we begin to share knowledge, we begin to have conferences, we begin to network. And so, um, so long as we are still at the level where we are, and I believe we are at a level where we are growing, when we grow, the more we grow, the more we are able to share, the more we are able to learn from each other. And that is one reason why we set up or we decided to launch Africa LSP podcast in January. We felt like, wow, I mean, we are on... We are in the language services industry in Africa. We don't really know other LSPs. We don't interact. So why don't we create a platform where we can invite language professionals, we can invite uh, business owners and all that, and all stakeholders in the industry to come together and talk about things in the industry, what is not going well, what can we change, what can we improve? And uh, we believe that this is very important. And so... Yes, uh, there is a lot that can be done, but with growth, we can share and we can learn a lot and we can grow. Yeah. I've noticed the same with um, 
Africans, what was the word that you use? The word that I use is it seems to me the culture is very communalistic, right? It's very community oriented and that's different from communistic, right? It's just people help each other. People help each other and it's just, it's just part of the culture. And that's why, because I remember what episode was it? I think you were talking to Jan Bota down in South Africa. Yeah, that was the third episode. Yeah, that was a really interesting, interesting episode to me because it talked more about, you know, the the market for language services in the industry. But I I wanted I told myself I wanted to try to stay away from that a bit today. I don't want to talk so much about the market for language services so much as about the actual languages and culture in in Africa, because that's what it's all about there. So my, my next question is, it's about dominant language and, and accents. So you know, we've just been talking, at, talking about this. So many countries over there um, use a colonial language. Um, many countries use like a lingua franca. And I'm sorry to keep bringing up Ghana, but it's the, it's the country that I have the most exposure to, where I understand that tree is the um, – de facto lingua franca that is mutually understood by different people. Generally, um, people use that. But also English is the language of education. It's the common language that people speak, the Queen's English, because it's a former British quality. So my question is, and you answered this already a little bit, um, when it's appropriate to use the colonial language when you're talking about business, um, whether it be English, French, Portuguese, or whatever. And when you're reaching out to the consumers, the individuals, that's when you need to use the local languages. Um, correct me if I misunderstood you there. But the next part of that question is, which local languages? And the follow-up question to that is, what should it, um, for the colonial languages like English, what should the accent be? And, and let's focus on that. I want to focus on that right now. Um, if I'm if I'm going into Ghana and I'm choosing, I'm making the business decision to remain in English because it's it's the language spoke. It is a language spoken in Ghana. What do I need to localize the accent for my multimedia stuff? Is it okay to have a British accent? Is it okay to have an American accent? Or does it need to be recorded by a local Ghanaian speaking African English? Yeah, interesting. Um... And so, as you said earlier, it's important to ensure that we use local voices. If you're going to, if you want to use English, for instance, I suggest that you use native speakers because sometimes um, it's not every word that a native speaker would understand when, for instance, you're using American English or even British English. Uh, You know that Ghana was colonized by the British but even with that, I mean, there's not every word that a lay person on, on the street of Accra, for instance, will understand. And so it's important to use native speakers. But if you would use other people um, outside the country, you can use, of course, other Africans who, um, who would speak English. And I believe that will be clearer. Um, however, even with that, you need to watch out for accents that Ghanaians do not like, or those people do not appreciate so much. Oh, what are those? Let me, <laughs> let me give an example. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so in Ghana, for instance, there's this debate, you know, that between Nigerian English accent and Ghanaian English accent, um, each party feels like theirs is the best. So, for instance, a Nigerian will say, for, uh, will say doctor, but a Ghanaian will say doctor. 
Um, and yes, so there are lots of such examples. So if you use Nigerian accent for, um, you know, Ghanaian localization um, projects, then you might have some some little problems here and there because they might not appreciate it that much. So this is just an example and it's a reality. So you need to know what are the accents that uh, the people can appreciate, even if those accents are other African countries, you know, are from other African countries, for instance. And so that's really important. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Let's, um, moving on here. I think we've got another question. Oh, we got a question from, from Awo here. So full disclosure, the next question, which was submitted as a video question, which by the way, you guys, you guys watching, you can submit video questions because we're, we're scheduling these events ahead of time now. So there's plenty of time if you want, if anyone wants to submit a video question for the next one, which is going to be on the 28th, I believe, head on over to the LinkedIn event and just, you know, insert your question as a comment there. And we will make sure to feature it. Well, assuming it's a decent question, we'll make sure to feature it, which I'm sure it will be on, on the next episode. But let's go over to the next question here. Hello, Tucker. Hello, Adi. It's nice to meet you. My name is Awu Ashiabo, and I grew up in Ghana and now live in the U.S. Since becoming a mother myself, I have struggled to find high-quality entertainment for my children to learn about their heritage. So I founded Kani Animation Studios, which is focused on producing high-quality content that African children can identify with. My question is this. With Africa's rich culture and creativity, why is it difficult to find high-quality entertainment and educational children content available in local languages? My second question is this. I've struggled to find a community of voice actors and other multimedia professionals in Africa. What recommendations would you have for people who are looking to source multimedia talent? All right. Okay. That's a very interesting question. And, and full disclosure really quickly, like that might have been really confusing for viewers. That was my wife, which is why she's sitting in the same chair that I'm sitting in now. She just recorded that earlier. <laughs> so, it, you're not crazy. Um, I didn't transform into an African woman um, really quickly. Um, but yeah, sorry. Addy. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. And so um, to start, let me just say that, yes, we're talking about African languages. We're talking about the growth of the languages, we're talking about the dynamics and all that. However, sometimes within the continent, we do not see a lot of initiatives, you know, promoting these languages. And even at the family level, we don't see all those things because um, the sad reality is that some people see the colonial languages as a language of, of opportunities. And so they feel like their children should be exposed to those languages and um, this leads to less exposure, you know, to uh, local languages. Now, there is a lot of research that shows that people learn better when they are taught in their native language. And for Africa, we know that for a lot of people, their first language is not English, it's not French, it's not Portuguese, it's not Spanish. It is a local language. And so when we are trying to create content for children, we also need to think of our native languages. Let me give an example. You can, for instance, in schools, they can teach you Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Children will sing it, you know, African children will sing it, they will, they will 
recited, but I don't know if they will, they'll be able to actually relate to those stories, um, you know, because it's not something that they experience in their daily lives. What they might experience is, for instance, in Ghana, we have the Anansi stories uh, that is told by the Akan, yeah. the Akan tribe. And these are very interesting stories because uh, they, they narrate things that the children have experienced, you know, their lived realities. Their children play Ampe, you know, a, a lot of other games that they play on the continent. And so we don't see all these reflecting. Even in our curricula for children, we see a lot of foreign content. And so sometimes it's difficult for children to relate. And I'm really, really proud of the initiative that AWO is doing. I visited the website. Oh, you did? And understood that. Yes, I did. I visited the website um, a long time ago. And I understood that it's something that is meant to uh, create stories that the children have actually experienced, you know, what they, they, they are experiencing every day and the stories that they can relate to. You know, and so the concept in itself is a very laudable one. So I would say that we need more of these initiatives and we need um, investment, of course, into these initiatives. I don't know if there are some government initiatives for that, but I believe that with some efforts, we can arrive at that. And so I want, I want to encourage Awo. She's doing a very fantastic job. She's doing a great job when it comes to, um, you know, children in Africa and helping children to have an education that, is meaningful, an education that helps them to identify themselves as who they are, you know, being proud of who they are, being proud of their African hair, their, their color and everything about them. And so I'm looking forward to more and more investment into content, um, educational content for children. And let me also say that within the media in various African countries, there is a lot of local content. Um, for adults, of course, for instance, in Ghana, um, you have telenovelas coming from yeah. other countries. Nollywood. Nollywood is Nigerian. Uh, yeah, I know. I've, I just watched so many Nollywood movies that they all just blur together. But yeah. Nollywood is a phenomenon that would be really interesting. I'd love to do some reporting on Nollywood, actually, through Multilingual or NIMSI, because it's fascinating how... Um, like Bollywood, it's like there's this other Hollywood that's grown up to, to service the African appetite for, for local content that's that's important to them. And it's interesting, let's just say. But yes. so, sorry, I, I don't want <laughs> yeah. to interrupt yeah, too much. So here. like you said, Nollywood is very influential. We have um, Nollywood movies being dubbed for Francophone countries and a lot of other spaces. So what I was saying is that we have a lot of content for adults in our local languages. And I was talking about the movies that are dubbed, movies from India and other places. And they dub them into the African languages. For instance, in Ghana, they dub these movies uh, into Ashanti or let's say Chi. And it's very interesting to listen to because you listen to the um, language and you listen to, you watch the personalities and you see like a huge you know, gap and difference. And you ask yourself like, is this voice really this person? And, and all that. And for me, I don't really enjoy it, but the people enjoy it. And um, they are very, very much into these movies. And so there is a lot of content being generated um, around African languages and even internally. However, I think for children, uh, there is a lot lacking. We need more investment. And um, our initiative is really, really great. Yeah. Yeah. And because like, like you said, children, you know, 
children may learn English and be instructed in English or learn French and be instructed in French later, but at home they speak their native languages. They speak their local languages. And that's where so much of the color comes from. And to me, it's a shame. It's a shame that there's um, not more emphasis put on the local languages because what I've seen or what, what I've heard is that if you really want to speak tree, if you really want to speak Fante, it, you know, and it's a beautiful, you know, lush, complete language, go to the village, right? Travel, get out of town, and go talk to the people that only speak that language. That you know, it's it's their language. And in the cities, in the large urban areas where there's more of a mix, people are speaking multiple languages. Let's say you have Ga speakers who are speaking Tree at the market just so that they can communicate, or people are speaking English in the schools or in their businesses and stuff. What happens is people don't lose the language. They can certainly still speak it, but they lose something. They lose some nativity. Um, Have you found that? Do you have any experience with that? Yeah, what you're saying is very interesting uh, because it's actually something that is topical. Hmm. And so what happens is that the language gets a bit, I would use the word diluted, in the sense that uh, we have English words, you know, coming into the language. And so it's difficult for someone in the city, most people, for instance, it's difficult for them to speak without adding um, an English word, you know, mm-hmm. perhaps they have. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and that, that's what I get. It's like, it's hard yeah. for Accra, Accrans, Accraians, people in Accra. Accrans, yeah. It, it, it's hard. No, it, it, it's not it's people in Accra. Let's say people, people in, Accra. in Accra. Yeah, it, it's hard for people in Accra. I'm hypothesizing here, but it's hard for people in Accra to speak a whole sentence without throwing in an English word. Right. And I hear this. I don't I don't speak the languages, but I mean, very well. But, you know, I hear blah, 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 blah. Um, um, and then usually usually something dramatic in, in English, like eh, I'm so done with this or something. I don't know. Right. And then they continue speaking. And yeah. it's interesting to me. I'm just like, well, why? Well, like, why are you mixing English in there? Like, come on. It's a cool language. What are you doing here? Yeah, so there's a lot of that. And uh, I also want to give an example from Cameroon, for instance, mm-hmm. of how language was, was actually developed, you know, from all these uh, blend. So in Cameroon, there is a kind of lingua franca that is that has been developed. It's called Camfranglais. Camfranglais. Yes, Camfranglais. Camfranglais. I love that. Cameroon, Francais, and Anglais all mixed together. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so it's very popular among the youth. Um, and so what it is, is the mixture of French, English, and local languages. Hmm. And you know how Cameroon is, 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 a wonderland, is a wonderland when it comes to languages. It has over 250 local languages. And it's, it's fully bilingual, I can say that we have uh, eight regions that speak French and eight regions, two regions rather, that speak English. And so the blend, um, it's really beautiful. And... Um, Come Franglais has uh, really become very popular. And so these are some of the dynamics that you need to also look at. Don't only look at the colonial languages or the local languages, but there are also new languages that are being created by the people, you know, based on their interactions, based on the diversities that they have. And so Come Franglais is very popular. It's actually um, it's, it's spoken by a lot of youth, as I said, and it's also used by 
um, politicians, for instance, when they want to make an impact. And so when they want to actually speak to the youth in a way that will uh, be meaningful to them, they use come franglais. And so it's interesting how um, a lot of languages, other languages are also important when you're looking at Africa. I don't know whether you've also heard of Nigerian pidgin, Taka. I have not. Please tell me about, I mean, I've heard of pidgin, but tell me about Nigerian pidgin. Yeah, so, I mean, that's another interesting language. Um, it's English and, and a mixture of other things. And it's also popular in Ghana. I mean, we also speak uh, pidgin that same way. But I think the Nigerian one is, is a bit thicker because that's the source of the, of the pidgin. And so these languages, and sometimes you can call them Creoles and all that, they are very, they are also important. And, you know, we can look at how to tap into that as well. And they can also play a key role. You know, when it comes to what, languages. What's the difference? Are, are you the right person to ask this? If not, then we can... Um, what's the difference between Pidgin and a Creole? I'm, I'm sh- I guarantee you, I, dude, if I had Bob Drake on here, he could tell me, my colleague <laughs> Bob Drake. He's an encyclopedia about this kind of stuff. But do you, what, what, what is a Pidgin and what is a Creole? Do you know? I, I honestly don't know, Taka. Okay, I yeah, it's, it's not a trick question. I, <laughs> I don't know either. I don't know either. Well... Let's go over to Nikoli. She's got another question that she recorded for us, okay? All right. All righty, Nikoli, take it away. Uh-oh, wrong button. Just another question I have. So I listened to a podcast a few weeks back where they spoke about how the doors have actually opened for African language service providers to um, kind of on the international front. So as companies became less reliant on face-to-face relationships, with the more known sort of language service providers um, because, you know, everything shifted to digital. So would you say that African language services have managed to gain more recognition internationally since the start of COVID? Or do you see more opportunity to grow within the industry um, kind of in this area? Hmm. Well, thank you, Nikhil, for the question. That reminds me of a podcast episode I did on Africa's LSP podcast. I don't know if you listened to Etaka. It's uh, called The Impact of COVID-19 on Language Professionals in Africa. I did. I did. Okay, so, yeah. But don't ask me no, any questions about it because I was driving back from Sandpoint, Idaho. But, um, you know, I did. I'm, I'm going to be fully honest here with Yadi. That's like the one episode that I, um, I put it on fast forward through. You know how you can listen to it like 1.5 speed? Because I'm so tired of talking about COVID. It's just, it's just like, I want to move on. I want to talk. I'm, I don't want to hear the word new normal ever again. Um, so that's, that's why I'm not too excited about the whole, the whole COVID thing. But I do remember listening to it. And I, I do remember um, your guest. I forget who the guest was, but the general. Cons- Asilia, yeah. Yeah. And, the gen- and you talked about it on other episodes, too, not just that episode. You've, you've asked a lot of your guests about it. Maybe that's why I was sick of it. But um, it seems like a good thing for the African language services industry. Like, it, you know, I hate to say like, oh, we're, you know, I hate to say that anyone's profiting off of COVID. But with the move to remote, I, I've noticed, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, the move to remote, the move to virtual has been the great equalizer, right? Previously, those in our industry who got to go to the conferences and learn and grow 
and network and meet new clients and equip themselves to better go back to their respective countries and lead their team members into the 21st century. Um, previously, those guys were the ones with budget. They're the ones with visas. They're the ones with, you know, forgiving wives and children who can travel and go to these different conferences. And this last year, this last 18 months, two years, whatever it's seen, it has been the great equalizer because all of those events have moved online. And I don't care if you're speaking a pigeon Nigerian speaking user in Lagos or if you're sitting in Geneva, like you have access to the same stuff, the same amount of information. So in that respect, it's been a great equalizer. And anything that acts as an equalizer will of course bring up those quote unquote at the bottom which like, no offense but I don't think it's controversial to say that the African LSP market the African language services market has not reached the same level of maturity certainly as the the global LSP market I don't know where I'm going you've answered the, you've answered the question god damn it I didn't mean to answer the question. I don't mean to steal your thunder here. See, that's the problem with over-preparation is I've already listened to all your podcasts. So you, do you have anything to add on that? Yes. So um, I totally agree with you that the COVID-19 pandemic has actually created a level playing ground in some way because uh, let's take the example of industry events. Initially, I mean, I'm sure a lot of events would have been held on site and then even to have a visa to travel from the African continent mm -hmm. to this country. Sometimes it's very tedious. And so we would have missed out, you know, on a lot of these things. And uh, language professionals who didn't have had the opportunity to just hop on their computer or, you know, put on their computer and just interpret, you know, just provide services. You know, it's really, really been uh, a boost. And the same thing was said by Johan Bota when I, when I had a podcast episode uh, with him. He yep. spoke about how um, they had a lot of uh, content. Uh, Johan, if you're watching, everything smart that I just said, I think I stole from Johan. Because I listened to that podcast, I think twice, <laughs> and I really appreciated his answer. So, yeah. sorry to interrupt. He spoke about how, yeah, so he spoke about how they had a lot of COVID nineteen uh, content, for instance, advocacy and all that. They had to localize, you know, into the African languages and other languages. So that was actually a boost for the industry. And we don't have to stop there. We have to go beyond this opportunity to ensure that we continually improve, improve ourselves, improve our skills, improve our knowledge. Because I, I must say that I've been sad, you know, from the outset, because I haven't seen any African LSP featured on MIMSI's uh, Top 100. Yeah, we need to work on that. And I was just talking to um, folks internally, is that we need to start doing the regional rankings, right, is, is what we do. Because right now we're, we're just publishing the, the Top 100. But we've got data for for all of that to do rankings by market and stuff we just haven't put it out there yet so i agree i agree hey hey trust me adi every time i listen to your log into your podcast and you're talking about my competition nimsy's competition because they put you in their ranking csa research go check it out i have no problem sending people to my competition really? yeah no no i'm just kidding it doesn't hurt my feelings <laughs> It makes me, it makes me, it motivates me to do better is what it does. So there you have it, everybody. Nimsy Live, the only podcast that gives a plug to the competition. Did, did I cut you off, Addy? Anything else to add? Not 
really, yes. So I was saying that that has been really, um, it's been sad, but it's also been a motivation, you know, to know that we can do better. We, we can actually get there. It's not impossible, you know, it's something that is possible. And so we can get there, but we, we just need to work harder. We need to grow and we need to expand. Yeah. Excellent. Let's, uh, let's go over and take a look at the comments here. I, I haven't, I've been looking at the comments in chat. Um, I haven't seen any big questions just to say hi to people. Uh, already said hi, I think, to OP. Uh, Michael, Michael Asquith. Hello from Chicago. Hi, Michael. Lucretia, Lucretia what are you doing? Lucretia's in Vietnam. So, uh, hi, where's my hand? Hi, Lucretia. It's uh, late for you. Lauren Suprainer. Um, Lou Aya Daubu. Uh, Apollos. Double, hey, you handle the African ones. I'll handle the 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 saltine right. ones here. All right, Apollos, that's you, Addy. Yeah, so Apollos Junior Ambrose. Nice. Uh, he's in Ghana. I know him. Hi, Apollos. Um, and Rosalind Famous. Fantastic lady. Welcome. Welcome, Aquaba, whatever language you speak. Nice, nice to have you guys. If you've got any questions, just drop them over in chat or any comments. So Puerto Rico, Rosalind, good to have you. Good to have you. Well, we're getting up here. We're getting about 10 minutes here. Here's what I want to do, Addy. I would love to do a segment that we call Tux Takeaways, which let's see how it goes. And last time it wasn't that great. But this is where I summarize what we had talked about. My takeaways, these are takeaways that are just on on the fly that I've been coming up with during the course of our conversation. I swear to God, this isn't planned, so... Typos. Let's see how many. Takeaway number one. Let's get these chats out of here. With business customers, use of the colonial language can be okay. And with local consumers, localized. This is, this is something that you said early on in the podcast, Addy, and really speaks to me that my question was which language to choose. Do you choose the English, the French, the Portuguese, the colonial language, or do you choose the local language, the local lingua franca, or one of up to 200, 300, 400 tribal languages, local languages. And your answer was that with business customers, it makes sense to go into the colonial language because it's going to be used in a business context. But with local customers, like if you're trying to reach local consumers, the local language will be best. Did I get that, Adi? Any rebuttal? Yeah, exactly. Um, no, so that's, that's really true. And you have to just focus on... Um, who your target consumers are and be able to localize content for them. I mean, you just don't have to assume that, oh, they all speak English, they all speak, um, you know, the colonial languages because when you come to the streets of Accra, for instance, you meet people and you speak uh, to them in English and they're like, really? Yeah, they don't speak English on the streets. They just don't. Yeah. I wish they did. Hello, wife. We have guest, guest speak. Tux takeaway number two. Let's do this. Africa is a very communalistic society. The culture is that they help each other. The blocker is one of growth. When we grow, people share more. And I really appreciated what you said about this, Adi, is that um, the culture is one of sharing. The culture is one of helping each other across Africa. This isn't specific to any one country. However, when Everybody grows, everybody shares more, which makes sense. When there's scarcity, people don't feel like sharing so much. But if, if the industry's growing, if everybody's growing together, then there can be a snowball effect where growth continues, people help each other, which leads to additional growth and just keep on growing. 
Does that sound about right, Addy? Yeah, that's it. Um, I don't to know what pertains honest. in other industries, but uh, from my personal perspective, I think that could be the, the case awesome. for the LSP industry. All right. And last, last one here is people learn better when they are taught in their local languages. So when creating content for children, use the native languages. Get that out of here. Get that jogging lady off of my face. Um, people learn better when they're taught in their local languages. So when creating content for children, particularly, we need, 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 need native languages. And that speaks very true to um, the work that my my dear wife is is doing in her spare time and her hobby with, with uh, Connie Studios. And of course, I'm, I'm helping her a little bit with that. So it's very, very useful to know. Anything to add, Hattie? I, no? think, I think that's very clear. My takeaways that's are solid. <laughs> this, it's on point. It's on point. This ignorant American got it. I love it. On point. Well, then I'm going to let you. I don't want to steal your thunder, though, because um, I, I saved the best questions for last here. I want to know, um, as we're coming up on time here, close, closing thoughts somewhat, but what is the what is the one thing? So my original question was, what is the one thing that you need Buyer side localization managers to know before thinking about the African market. Um, you know, let's keep with that. So I'm talking about the big organization. So let's talk about Facebook, right? How does Facebook localize for the African market? How should they localize? How should Microsoft localize for the African market? What level of investment into the local supply chains do they do? Um, companies like Canva that are exploding all over the world pursuing an aggressive international growth strategy and one that is, you know, on based upon localization into the local languages and understanding and reaching people in developing countries. What what is the one thing you want these guys to know before even thinking about it going into the African market? Besides that they should download your country guides, of course. Besides that. because um, we already yeah. plugged those pretty hard. Take it away. All right, so thank you so much, Taka, um, for the opportunity. I think my key message for them is something that you mentioned earlier. Interestingly, you said Africa is a continent. It's not a country, you know, and so that is a key message that I want them to understand, that the continent of Africa is, is beautiful. It has a lot of diversity. It has a lot of cultures, and so they need to think of it as, you know, this continent with all these people who are so diverse in whatever they do, are so diverse in their culture, in their language. And of course, some big multinationals are some multinationals are already, you know, doing that. They are already localizing their content. For instance, Facebook has localized into Hausa. However, the, the the fear is that they might focus on languages that are kind of you know that have a huge um, that have huge speakers, but other languages might remain underrepresented. And so you need to go beyond that to ensure that other languages on the continent also have a space, you know, no matter how small. And this is a technique that the missionaries used when they came to the African continent. And so they, they understood, you know, very quickly the importance of our native languages. And so what they did was to translate, you know, the Bible into our native languages. And that's one of the reasons why we even have a lot of African language data sets currently. You know, it's been positive, of course. And it's also a lesson, you know, that you need to focus on the on the locals and on the on the native language. 
let me take an example from the project underway by Nipsey Insight, where they said that nine out of 10 global users would want to consume in their native language. And I believe that if the same research is conducted in Africa, I don't know if Africa was part of it, but if it is conducted and Africa is included, I don't think, I don't think we'll have like different insights. We'll have, we might have the same you know, insight because people want to have um, goods, content, whatever it is in their native languages. And so it's so important, it's so important to, to think about all that and to ensure that you localize for the native people in their languages and also not to leave out under, underrepresented languages. I think I remember on LinkedIn, Saka, when you made a comment about, uh, when you commented on somebody's post, uh -oh. they actually- Uh-oh, uh -oh. I make some controversial comments on LinkedIn. So I hope that was a good yeah, one. So, yeah, so they spoke about how businesses focus on you know, the business part of African languages or localization, focusing on what can we, how can we localize our products? And we usually forget the part about underrepresentation of some cultures. And so this is very important, even as we're trying to localize and yeah, do a lot of things in the industry. Well, excellent. Thank you. I, I you know, this has been lovely and we we're we're right on time here. We're right on time. We're not we're not gonna be going over time today. We've got four minutes left. Let's just check back in really quick with those comments. Uh where's my comment button? Comment. Comment. There we go. Chats. Live chat. Oh, who else? We Oh, Camisia's here. Hi. Um, Lauren Sprainer. I'm in shock you pronounced my name correctly. So, so, I probably just screwed it up. Lauren Suprainer. Um, hi, Lauren. Good to have you. Uh, great show from Imad. Hi, Imad. Good to see you. Camisia, good to see you. Of course. Sorry I had to tune in late. Glad to catch the summary. I'm viewing from Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome. Howdy from Seattle. Nika, Nika, hi all, tuning in, good to hear the takeaways, and Rosalind Famous, yes, the Puerto Rico Association of Translators and Interpreters would love to connect with Adi. Oh, there's, there's your action item, Adi, there's your action item. Yeah. So, with that, ladies and gentlemen, I think we will call it a day. Um, with no more final thoughts, if, if you're watching this live, then thank you very much. If you're catching the 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 recording then thank you for joining us on the recording but it's time to end this so ladies gentlemen chat we're out of time sadly if you enjoyed the nimsy live experience then join us next time we're going to be talking tuesday september 28th with nicholas hissinger and romaine dahan from a company localized that's localized with a k not a c our topic will be start localization at the design stage. And I can't be more excited because I'm really big on this topic of merging localization, merging usability, uh, merging basically any user-centric design principles with globalization and localization because that's the future. That's the future. Um, if you haven't done so already, then make sure to subscribe. Subscribe to Nimsy. Bam, right here. Subscribe to Bolingo. Subscribe to the African LSP podcast, but also do yourself a favor and subscribe to the um, subscribe to their newsletter as well. They have a nice little email newsletter which gives very short, very um, nice, digestible topics about the continent of Africa. So. With that, I appreciate our guest today, Adi Namaran Kulibali. It's been a pleasure for having you on. Thank you so much. I wish great things. I see. I foresee great success for you in the, the growing industry of, of localization in Africa. I appreciate you. 
Thank you so much, Taka. Thank you for the opportunity. You are welcome. I appreciate Adi. I appreciate our volunteer operator today, which is in the script, but I don't have a volunteer operator today because nobody wanted to do it. <clears throat> Kamisia. Um, I appreciate everybody in our industry who fills out NIMSI surveys and schedules briefings and so that our analysts can do stuff. NIMSI Insights, we are a market research and um, consulting company, and the backbone of what we do is market research. So if you've ever taken a look or filled out a survey contributing to that industry research, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And I especially appreciate everybody who's joining us live today. We had about 100 registrations. I think 15, 20 people were are joining us in the live chat, um, watching us live. Um, I appreciate the dialogue. Anybody who left comments and questions, and please leave criticisms too, right? We don't need to keep it nice here. Let's have a, let's have a debate. But until then, my name is Tucker Johnson. This has been NIMSY Live, and we'll see you next time. Cheers. <laughs>